The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccino. And good evening, everyone. Welcome once again to another edition of the MCU Review. I am Elias Serrano, a member of the MCU uh, Review crew, uh, C-R-U. <laughs> I think I was being clever, but I think Motley Crue spells it the same way, too. So <laughs> it's not really, not really original. Uh, joined, as always, by my uh, shaken, not heard uh, co-founder... Uh, Dave Pino, how you doing, Dave? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm I'm okay. It's friggin' cold in Chicago. I'm not a fan of that. I will say that. Yeah. And also joined by our resident mixologist, Tom Jetner. How you doing, Tom? I'm great, everybody. How you doing? Well, it's good to be back. I will say it's good for me to be back. Uh, you guys had a lot of fun talking about Thor Ragnarok with uh, our last guest. Um, Connor McKnight, who everyone in Chicago knows as one of the color folks for, uh, you know, for the Chicago White Sox. And I commented um, on the MCU review page and on the video, I commended the two of you (laughs) for not turning that episode into White Sox talk. (laughs) Very easily could have. I mean, I think, you know, thankfully the, uh, Thankfully, Thor Ragnarok is a really good movie, so there's a lot to talk about. Although I will note that uh, today, both Dave and I are wearing Chicago American Giants. Oh, uh, nice! What a coincidence. Um, uh, gear tonight, so that's kind of the baseball thing. Doesn't it's subtle tonight? <laughs> and again, I feel left out again of everything. So you two, when you two get together, <laughs> I will say the the uh, there was. A good amount of uh, socks and sports uniform talk, but would be at, it was the after party. It was after the stream ended. <laughs> okay. Uh, so as the, because I was actually at a memorial that evening, I actually got to watch the show as an audience member. So it gave me a little bit of a, a taste of what it's like to just uh, watch, to be a spectator as opposed to a participant. And speaking of our spectators, our loyal Viewers, Lehman and Susan are joining us tonight. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Lehman. Thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you so much for your constant support. If you're watching us on the Facebook Live page, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Twitch TV, thank you for for your support. If you're not watching us live, but you're catching a rebroadcast, you're looking at one of the archives on our Facebook or YouTube page, Please give us a like, subscribe to our YouTube page, uh, share us where you can. Feel free to comment everywhere. We do read all comments. If there's anything that you want to chime in on the conversation, whether live or after the fact, we are happy to hear what you want to say. Uh, But the MCU Review is a journey through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting from the first Iron Man movie, 
going forward, we're only talking about the movies that were released by Marvel Studios, although um, they're now folks are going to <laughs> argue that maybe we'll be pulling in the X-Men movies eventually and the Spider-Man movies from Sony <laughs> after the whole um, No Way Home um, chapter. But we'll see. Uh, this, though, is going to be our last official uh, MCU review of 2022. I think we've done a great job uh, since the beginning of the show to now. I think we've knocked out to how many phases? Two, three phases uh, in this in this uh, in this uh, venture of ours. I think this is the end of phase three. I think Infinity War is officially. That's it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would mark Infinity War as the end of phase. Although Captain Marvel is kind of in this weird in between, and Ant Man and Wasp are in this. Yeah. Interregnum, I guess you could call it. So we will be, um, well, we'll finish up with Black Panther. Then going into 2023, start up again. Of course, we're going to be talking about uh, Captain Marvel, Infinity War, Endgame. And then um, it's going to be time to also start folding in the MCU uh, sh uh, shows on Marvel. I mean, on Disney+. And we are hoping to have some very special guests when we talk about the Disney Plus shows. Uh, but today, the talk is about Black Panther, the first Black Panther movie. So how convenient that we're talking about Black Panther 1, just as uh, Thor, um, Wakanda Forever is uh, celebrating a second year, a second weekend atop the box office. Um, it's uh, right now the top moneymaker. And uh, the first Black Panther, of course, starring... Uh, um, um, uh, directed by Ryan Coogler, starring Chadwick Boseman, uh, um, um, Angela Bassett, uh, Martin Freeman. Freeman, which I'm going to get into his character in a bit, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, of course uh, Michael B. Jordan, who will become one of the most memorable villains in the MCU. Um, after playing a somewhat forgettable Johnny Blaze, I'm sorry, Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four reboot. Um, well, that movie was forgettable. That, <laughs> yeah, quite forgettable. The whole movie is forgettable, which is such, so sad because, again, I am a huge Fantastic Four fan. I, I liked, I kind of liked the first ones, the ones that had Michael Chiklis as a thing and, um, um, uh, Chris Evans as Johnny Storm, Human Torch. Yeah. Uh, although the the scripts were kind of eh, a little on the weak side. Yeah. But still, we're we're waiting for a uh, a decent Fantastic Four movie, which is funny because uh, Black Panther was originally um, it came from the Fantastic Four title character that was created. Uh, essentially, uh, T'Challa was the African Reed Richards. Um, brilliant scientists but also uh, a royalty and a superhero so let's uh go around the round the bend and start off with what we call our two minute mcu movie review uh if you guys want to start off dave give me your two minute uh, review of uh, black panther well 
I do enjoy this movie. I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And Tom and I were talking about this the last time we, we saw each other last week. Um, to dovetail into our other show for a second, Elliot, I think one thing I appreciate about this movie, especially the first half or so, it's got a very James Bond feel to it. And I was reading an interview with Ryan Coogler where he was saying it was it was deliberate. Like there was a he had this image of his in his head of of uh, T'Challa sort of being the the uh, the James Bond of the MCU. Um, and it, you know you, you feel it in certain moments. You know, there's the the whole sequence in South Korea at the the casino, which feels a lot like the uh, the scene at the gambling den in Macau in Skyfall. And then you have that car chase, which has a lot of similar beats to and kind of humor to a lot of the car chases throughout the Bond films. Um, Shuri is sort of like a Q. You know, that's sort of obviously the big difference being the, the relation with with the, the main character. But uh, that dynamic, she's sort of sarcastic, um, very kind of involved in, in her work. And her work is basically her life. And she's this tech genius. So you have a little bit of the Q dynamic there. Um I was reading some other sort of comparisons. I didn't really think about the, this a bit, but um, making the comparison between uh, Martin Freeman's character and sort of being like the Felix Leiter in this film to to uh, to the the uh, Wakandan characters. Uh, Felix Leiter, of course, being the Bond CIA contact throughout the Bond the Bond films. Um, so yeah, it's it's a cool movie um, and. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff to like, and man, it just made me realize how much what a huge loss it was. You know, losing Chadwick Boseman. This guy was just a, a brimming with charisma, and uh, he had quite the uh, the the uh, film resume to his name, even in the short career that he was able to uh, to live out before his untimely passing. But and I think I don't know how much, if at all, we want to talk about this, but you definitely feel that a bit in, in a bit in the sequel as well. His the void left by his absence. Tom, this is actually my favorite MCU movie. Um, for me, this hits it hits notes that sometimes other Marvel movies are trying to hit and but not maybe quite getting there. Um, this movie has a feel about it that's almost, I think I walked out of it feeling like it was very kind of Shakespearean. Um, in a sense, kind of doing the, the high drama royalty thing that the Thor movies, I think, aspired to do. At one, not, I wouldn't really put it as Game of Thrones. This feels more dignified than that. Um, you know, it, it feels like a Hamlet or a Macbeth or a, a Henry V, something like that. Um, and on rewatch, it's very consistent. There's so many great themes that we see throughout the movie. One of the things that I thought about, was thinking about today is the expression of who are you? What is your identity? It's a phrase that's uttered by multiple characters m multiple times, uh, both in English and in Kossa. Uh, throughout the film and this the reveal of who someone is underneath the surface or who someone is or showing their quality is is a theme that runs throughout and, I, and it resolves itself very powerfully uh, and they also do a great job with the the score 
and the vistas of making it feel big and epic. I think epic would be the word that I would use to describe it um, and important. Um, and as I'm saying that, I mean, the score from Ludwig Gornson is terrific, but that's not even mentioning that as much as I love Black Panther, the movie, Black Panther, the album by Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar might actually be better. <laughs> um, and you have great music coming in from uh, from Kendrick Lamar, both in, in, at the end credits and, and sprinkled in throughout the movie. So as, and even the conflict feels big and epic and large in the life of these two figures of, of uh, T'Challa and Killmonger facing off. So to summarize, it's it feels epic in a way that's grandiose. That's things that we haven't even rarely seen throughout the MCU. And it's a real credit to Ryan Coogler and Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan and um, all the other actors for pulling this off. You guys have, uh, well, Dave stole most of my thunder when it came to all the, the 007 comparisons, especially the, the relationship between T'Challa and Shuri kind of being with like Bond and um, Q. The hilarious part, I just, uh, the part when uh, Shuri sees T'Challa wearing his sandals and she's making, you know, the comment about that is a very big thing. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, we all know what it mean what it's like to have ashy feet. You don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to be walking around with ashy feet. The king cannot have ashy feet. Um, and I will add, uh, but the, to echo what you guys said, uh, yes, uh, the loss of Chad Chadwick Boseman. Uh, as I'm watching this film, like man, he's an incredibly likable person. Um, there are things that happen with him. Where you're like, ah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not buying a lot. There's some things I might not necessarily buy, but because I like him so much, I'm willing to go with it. You know, um, there, there, I do have a couple nitpicks about the plot that we'll get into it, especially a, a, a continuity thing for me. Uh, but I say overall, a fun film. Uh, it, it, the, the production design was impressive and the, the costume design, of course, deserved the Academy Award that it won. Um, I will say that I just, I, I, I would have, I would have asked, I would have asked, Hey, I would have said, Brian Kugler, can you give me just a minute with that script? Cause there's just a couple things in there that I, I think just deserve a little, we need a little polish here and there because you're setting stuff up. There were so many great ideas that were being set up that kind of like don't really get explored later. They're just touched on, touched on, touched on. Like Wakanda being a separatist nation, you know? And when you're Wakanda in the middle of a continent that is being just devastated by drought, famine, war, um, uh, civil war, so many things that are going on, but you have this perfect little utopia in the middle of all that. You know, the they really didn't explore the 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 moral quandary that they found themselves in, you know, as much. So well, we'll talk, we can talk about that later in the discussion. Again, uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you for watching us here on the MCU Review uh, YouTube Facebook Live. 
and Twitch TV channels. Today we are talking about Black Panther, the first one, um, because it's the last MCU review of 2022, and I did not mean to rhyme all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we'll, we'll get to touch a little bit on Wakanda Forever. Uh, interest of full disclosure, I have not seen it yet. Uh, <laughs> I kept uh, the, the, uh, for let's 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 give our audience a little bit of a peek into the social interactions between the, all of us here. <laughs> we had planned a group get together to go see Wakanda Forever together. The weekend that came out on Saturday. Emphasis on the word Saturday. On the word Saturday. Emphasis on Saturday. We all agreed on Saturday. And what happens? One of us, I'm not going to say who, just as his initials are TJ, decided to go see the movie on Friday. And goes, hey, guys, I'm at the theater. Where are you? Uh, we're like all still at work or something. I don't know. And you're at the theater. And then, I, and then, and I go to, I go to Dave. I go to Dave. Wait, so is did Tom? I, I said to Dave on Saturday. Did, I, I, did did Tom go to the movie, or did he decide to get his, re, you know, get his ticket refunded and then see it with us on Saturday? And then he went, no, he went and saw it on his own. And I went. So then I went to Dave. I go, Dave, I don't want you to take this personally, but the reason I wanted to get together with all of y'all so I could finally meet Tom in person. <laughs> Yeah, but since Tom's not going to be there, I don't know if I want to risk another experience at the Pickwick. <laughs> in my defense, or in the more specifically the Pickwick's defense, we did see uh, Love and Thunder successfully without any issues since the whole no time to die. Since the whole no time to die thing, yes. But yeah. we were, we were besieged was, by that. Was right. maybe the I think I honestly I think I stayed as much out of just is sheer embarrassment as as much as anything else because I it's 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 I, I felt so incredibly you know Dave shows me the receipts of like because I bought tickets for all three for all of us ah okay. and and Dave showed me the Dave showed me the receipt that I was like and his phone like we're meeting Saturday and I was like no we're meeting Friday and he showed me the thing on his phone it's like check again and I was like oh my god. Uh, this is the, the funniest thing about it. And as I had to say, I really did feel bad, Tom, but it, this just made me laugh so hard. When I sent you the response, like, no, and I sent you, I think like a screenshot of when we had agreed on Saturday. You could see like, at the bottom someone's typing and it's just going on and on and on. Like, oh, man, what's he going to do? Like, angry or what's he going to say? And then his response is just a gif of Steve Harvey going, <laughs> I think that if it had been like an immediate response, it still would have been funny. But the fact that I, I'm just expecting this really long like explanation, and then just that was all it was. was, just, was yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had all the drinks ready, too, and everything. Oh, my God. I... And the other thing I felt bad about was <clears throat> the fact that you did not get to experience the main theater, which is really the coolest thing about the Pickwick. It's, yeah. it's a national landmark. Yeah. And the main theater Elliot, which is where we saw we attempted to see no time to die but then we saw love and thunder it's really a gorgeous theater and it has i think the screen their whole like claim to fame it's the largest non-imax screen in the chicagoland area wow so you really see this giant giant screen uh <sighs> i mean the other theaters are you know i mean you were you saw what it was like the smaller ones 
are fine. Yeah. That's really that's the fine. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, uh, I did manage to get, I think I did manage to get the booze out this week so I can kind of talk about that and hopefully maybe partially redeem myself on this one. Well, um, in, in your defense, Tom, because Dave goes, man, we got to mix stuff. I go, I go, Dave, he's got, he's got a kid. His <laughs> kids, everything. He's a, I remember you kept saying, I got child thing. You know, I got to worry about my kid issues, childcare issues. And I was like, you probably thought, okay, I got Friday. I'm getting out of the house. I'm good. Boom. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I said, <laughs> That was probably it. I go, it's just kids, kids get in the way of everything. You know, <laughs> neither Dave or I have children. So you can't use that, that as an excuse. <laughs> my my brother has, has uh, three boys who are all like within two years of each other. So I'm in very close proximity to um, what he has to go through with uh, <laughs> and, you know, after, after school activities. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sympathetic, Tom. Oh, yeah, thank you. I understand. <laughs> I see Dave's. I see Dave drinking this week's drink. What do you think, Dave? What's your? I am it's really good. Very good. Um, and of course, because Elliot is only at the shelter like a few days a week, <laughs> actually physically there, he hasn't grabbed the drinks yet. But they're waiting for him in the the fridge at work. I will actually be picking him up tomorrow. Yes. And all. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Dave, I've also got John's uh, milk punch. Oh, great. Requested. That's down. I'm going to be downtown tomorrow, so that should be good on that. Um, but also, so this drink, um, I actually really did kind of want to get into the weeds a little bit on this drink because um, the way that Wakanda was first described, I found about the world of Black Panther and the world of Wakanda secondhand through a friend who I was working with who's now uh, a comics illustrator, Eric Jimenez. He's a local Chicago guy. And he told me that the important details remember that they've never been colonized. They've never had contact with European colonial interests. And that actually makes it a little bit harder to do a cocktail because distilling is very much a European tradition. So it is a little bit kind of hard to kind of, even in places that currently uh, that are outside of Europe that do their own distilling. They don't necessarily, um, they get their traditions from, from Europe, stuff like tequila and, and rum in particular was something I was iffy about because, um, because rum is so heavily, heavily tied to the slave trade. And I wasn't sure what to do about it. And then I actually came across, um, this, uh, brand of, uh, rum, which is uh, Equiano uh, African and Caribbean rum. So it's made with uh, a blend of rums that are distilled in Africa and in the Caribbean, in I believe Martinique is the Caribbean country. And it's also named after uh, Olada Equiano. Olada Equiano was taken from his home in West Africa as a young man, as a young boy in the uh, mid 18th century and transported across the Atlantic to Barbados and then to Virginia. And he eventually managed to um, purchase his own freedom where he moved to England and wrote his memoirs. And it's from Olada Equiano that we have some of the earliest descriptions of a survivor of the Middle Passage. And it's he's one of our sources. He describes in 
detail, uh, seeing uh, two people and then a third uh, in chained jump from the ship in the middle of the Atlantic rather than continue on. And that's uh, referenced at the end of the movie by Killmonger when he says, my ancestors who jumped from the ship because they knew death was better than bondage. That's a reference to this story. So this particular spirit seemed then especially appropriate. And that's mixed with uh, in a, a warm uh, cantati style with, uh, with Rui Bos tea, which is a red African tea, uh, honey. Um, and then I infused the rum. There's actually a process in, in East Africa for making uh, spiced tea called masala, basically based off of the Indian method. And I used uh, allspice and uh, nutmeg and cinnamon to get that uh, flavor into the rum. So uh, that's kind of the, the story around this. I'm calling it Tea with the King. I thought it'd be a little more regal and uh, also tell a, a very good story about uh, history as well. So if you are listening to this uh, show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, you're going to have to... You can visit uh, the MCU Review Facebook page as well as the uh, Instagram account that Mr. Jetner has set up for his um, featured cocktails. You want to go to Instagram.com slash Review, R-E-V-U, Cocktails. And if you're watching us on the live stream or on the video, on the video see right there, um, you will find go to Review Cocktails on Instagram and you will find not only the recipe and how to create these themed cocktails that are for holy, holy original. As you can tell, Thomas uh, goes into the research on how to make these, uh, make these themed drinks. Um, we'll also uh, show you how to make them and get a nice little photograph there of what it will look like. And um, uh, I will say uh, I still have not been able to drink the Ragnarok one that you created that's sitting in my fridge. It's a good one. I, no, good I, I will tr- I'm going to drink it as soon as I'm able to get uh, our uh, just arriving panelist, uh, John Clark, his sample mm-hmm. that's sitting in my fridge. I also I still have the punch, the, uh, the, the, the punch you made for No Way Home. It's still there. I don't know what this movie is, but it's orange. So it's the last one that Elliot gave me. Oh wait a minute! No, that was that is the one. That's the was it the one with the the the, the punch? Is it the one that had the 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 that was carbonated that water? Carbonated, oh, right? Spider Man. Yeah, the punch was the Spider Man. Was Spider Man? Right, Tom. Yeah, that was a more. What does that taste like, John? I'm just kind of curious. Let's find out. I haven't had it yet. (laughs) (laughs) We can just watch me drink now. There's a really strong ginger in here. The very strong ginger. It's almost like a, it's like a syrupy sweetness, but there's a, like a bitter gingerness to it. There's definitely bitter in here. That might be, that might be the Ragnarok cocktail. I think that's the Ragnarok. Yes. Okay. That's it might be the Ragnarok. I think you're actually missing the citrus juice that's all in there, but. (gasps) Oh, (laughs) oh, should I put citrus juice in here? Well, I th- yeah, it called for half an ounce of blood orange juice and half an ounce of lime juice. So there should have oh, been. Oh, I don't a- have any of that. I, thought I, have well, a- I, I put a blood orange and a lime in the bag with 
sample. So if that was oh, that was a month ago, you can't expect a blood orange and a lime to survive around. No, here. probably not. But that's fine. It should be good on its own. Good enough on its own. This was the one that was still in my refrigerator door. I'm sure it tastes good anyway. But yeah, I've got I've got your I've got your milk punch as well that you decided. Yes, we had a great conversation last night about a cl- the clarified milk punch. At eleven thirty at night, I can spin you in the right direction with that because that was. I went to a local place called Burger Antics in Brookfield, which is fantastic. And it was the greatest drink I've ever had in my life. And I also didn't know what clarified milk was or how they made any of it. So you were the person I turned to. <laughs> it's hilarious that I'm on, it's on the, on our group chat on Facebook and you just hit Thomas and he's like, Oh yeah. Okay. How do you do that? Oh, what did, okay, fine. And again, it's 1130 at night. And next thing I know, I'm seeing pictures of Tom, like pulling out his, 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 all his stuff and making, showing us pictures of him making it. I'm like, dude, it's 1130 at night. I had laundry to do. I did today's Captain <laughs> Comics last night. So we wrapped up at about 11 and it came up in the conversation and I posted one thing. And within 10 minutes, there was a picture of a funnel. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, what it is, John is that Tom feels really guilty for uh, not seeing Wakanda forever with us. Yeah, just, that's just, part of it. He's got to make up for that. Well, thank you, what, John, if we can get the time forever, because I know, Elliot, you haven't. <laughs> no, I have not. Not yet. Let's, maybe let's get this train back on the tracks and ask John what uh, what he thinks of the, the first Black Panther movie. Yes, your two-minute review since you're here. Yeah, Black Panther is a, a complete game changer in every way. Not only uh, not only is it the MCU going in a different direction, which we've talked about a lot before with things like Doctor Strange introducing magic and Guardians of the Galaxy introducing space. But obviously, Ryan Coogler was able to galvanize the the African American community around this, and what, you know, we're at the point now where white people can't say Wakanda forever. <laughs> it's it, it's become that much of a, a central touch point, and I think they've tried to do this many times before. I mean, we've had black superheroes. Um, Blade was the first Marvel movie, uh, you know, and had we had we stretched out MCU review, it would have been the first movie we did. Uh, and obviously Wesley Snipes is African-American, but it, it didn't electrify the community in a way that this one did. This is There's such a, a sense of African patriotism that runs through this. That, uh, but that's inclusive. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not a this is, it's not a like this movie is for us. Uh, there is like, come in and understand what Wakanda is about and embrace this culture. And the culture is so well-defined for uh for something that honestly doesn't exist, you can go back to the Marvel comics. Um, obviously, I am feeling uncomfortable talking about the African American community because we're, you know, a bunch of mostly white people in Elliot. Uh, <laughs> Elliot's as far from being African American as the rest of us. But Black Panther was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, who were, you know, two greatest generation Jewish guys in in uh Manhattan. Uh and when you read those comics, those comics were really cool. Kirby did this beautiful job of mixing technology with uh, with the jungle, but nobody has come close to really capturing what's exciting about the African culture. And it takes so many turns. I mean, you know, for I really want to get Dave's thoughts on this because for 20 minutes, it's a James Bond movie. Oh, we talked about that. Okay. <laughs> I was late to that party. And then Andy Serkis is just doing something completely different. And uh, it manages to not be uh, 
as, as clear as the Wakanda story is, it manages to go other places. So I feel like this one rises really above even where we are in the MCU, which is, you know, the quality keeps going up and up. Just to go back on the, uh, the, the bond similarities, another thing that Tom and I were mentioning and what Andy Serkis's character, he's sort of like a, like a second tier bond villain in a bond movie. Like he's not the main villain who's like driving the whole story, mm-hmm. but of a henchman and yeah. you know, the guy that gets killed like halfway through. And yeah, we talked about general Arumov and Goldeneye of being the, the yeah. closest, but if, if you wrote, if you wrote Goldeneye for Roger Moore, <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. I would want to have Roger Moore, just a Roger Moore movie with Chadwick Boseman in it. Yeah. Man. Well, they, we can talk about We mentioned the, the casino scene. There's so, so many great details in the casino scene. Like if you, if you listen to Ryan Coogler's commentary on it, that scene, that, that shot of um, uh, Okoye, T'Challa, and Nakia walking in, uh, the, the line is red, black, and green, which are the colors of the Pan-African flag. Mm-hmm. And that's a deliberate reference to, there's a lot of kind of deep references in this that, that don't go um, that don't necessarily get picked out on first watch. If you're not kind of within the African-American community, as, as far as I understand it, uh, some of these things you can still laugh at, like the joke about not wanting to listen to your SoundCloud music. <laughs> um, uh, but there's, and, and that's yeah. just such a great pairing to uh, on the set. They were called the Tolkien white guys. Because to re- reunite Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis in this movie as two completely different characters, but they know each other's rhythms. Right. There's also the the bit of, in that sequence of uh, Okoye throwing the wig mm-hmm. at uh, the. I mean, one that's just a great. That's just a great action beat. Generally, like anytime you can throw something random and kind of funny at a henchman, that's always a great moment. And then I saw a lot of commentary in the af- the aftermath of that scene of from voices of like, oh, the, the wig thing was like really big for um, within the kind of the African black women community of like getting this wig off of my head or thinking like of being liberated from the um, Euro style hair or things like that. So at least, at least from some commentators. That's what I, was I, my, I wanna, I need a little help here. Maybe you guys can explain to me Something I, I, I couldn't figure, I just couldn't figure it out. Now, does Black Panther take place after Civil War or like does the beginning yes. place like take place during Civil War and then after Civil War? No, no, it's definitely after Civil War because T'Chaka's is dead. Yeah. Right. When this movie opens. So that happens in Civil War. So it could be the week after because certainly you're feeling the after effects. But okay. So, but then here's my question. How is it that when when T'Challa dons the Black Panther uniform in Civil War, he also has the speed, the strength, and all that that comes from the Panther God? Yet he has yet to um, consume that 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 um, the that elixir part. that comes from the from the flower. That's well, what gives him his power. Yes, I think the way they run it is that there's there's the there's the mantle of King and there's the mantle of black Panther and his father gave up being black Panther years before and passed it to T'Challa as a warrior to take it up. So he had taken the heart shaped herb 
years, potentially years prior, it had been the Black Panther before becoming king. There's a deleted scene that you can see where he talks, where T'Challa and uh, Zuri, if we talk about um, uh, uh, Forrest, with the incomparable Forrest Whitaker in this movie uh, as part of this murderer's row cast. Um, I called him the Rafiki. Of this, <laughs> I swear. So, I was thinking Lion King every time. Oh, oh he's a Rafiki. He's a. <laughs> so there's this great sequence where the, the two of them are kind of going back and forth, and T'Challa saying, "You know, my father said that he was ready to stop being the Black Panther because it was time to this kind of like high-minded things like that, of like how T'Challa first came to take the heart-shaped herb and don the suit, and Zuri just kind of comes back. He told me he was getting too fat to fit the suit. <laughs> So I I kind of appreciated that as as a man getting into his uh you know mid thirties, <laughs> not no longer in his twenties of like oh okay that makes a little bit. Of sense. Uh, um, okay, so I'll, that that was a thing, and then because there was a whole bit where then when Killmonger shows up to challenge him, then he has to like get rid of you know shed all the power. Oh, that happens. Panther. That happens in the first fight mm -hmm. at the the falls um, uh, with uh, Mbaku. Right, because anyone that challenges uh, to be king, you have to be on a level playing field. So they take the right. Black Panther's powers away. So right. otherwise, Black Panther would just be wiping the floor right. with anybody, and there would be no reason to the challenge. In fairness, I mean Mbaku is a fairly formidable opponent. Um, Quite formidable. is such a great character because. He's one of those really terrible Marvel characters in the comics where uh, he's Marvel has this trope of there's a certain kind of villain that they call themselves an animal. And Mbaku is called the man ape in the comics. And I think it begins with the rhino, but there's a long line of animal themed villains that wear the head of the animal and it looks like it's swallowing their face. <laughs> so you imagine a white gorilla guy in, a, in the rhino suit. Well, they, 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 I thought they did a great job of leaning into that because they make the Jabari um, kind of have the, 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 the white gorilla thing. And then yeah. you get a Hanuman reference. But there's like, a dignity to it, which there's a, right. They become a, they, it becomes less of a comical thing and more of they not. Okay. So they're a religious minority within Wakanda, but the majority of the population is Bost worship, the Panther goddess worshiping. But they're a they're a religious specific religious minority that lives in the mountains and worships Hanuman. Right, and they're also a smaller kingdom on the outskirts of Wakanda, so their culture is very different. Yes, that's it. Yeah, sorry. And Umbaku had probably one of the best jokes of the movie, where he goes, "Oh, we'll eat your children." Then he goes, "I'm just joking. We're all vegetarian." Because <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking that I go, "Wow, they're really leaning into the stereotype here." And then. They did the pivot on that, like ah, okay, that yeah. that was that was clever. That's part of the it steps yeah. up at the end. This is somebody who's usually a two dimensional villain is a complex character mm -hmm. in this, you know, and protects uh, T'Chaka's family when Killmonger takes over. That was my next thing too. Is that Killmonger? I I, I wish I'd learned a little bit more about T'Challa's kind of you know uh, background in let's just say combat because. Again, Killmonger, soldier, he was accustomed to fighting and killing, being doing 
tours of duty. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, that would be like, if um, I might be a prize fighter, you're a prize fighter who's, you know, really good at boxing and you've won golden gloves. But then when you're up against a veteran, you know, uh, a, a veteran warrior, someone who's, who's been out there and has seen things and has done things. I don't know if you're necessarily going to beat that guy. There is kind of something to that. Of, of This is part of the, the air of T'Challa being very princely. And this kind of goes to the, the, the epic or kind of, to- I mean, we could say, I really don't want to say Game of Thrones, more maybe Tolkien-esque of, of kind of this nobility to him of this royal regal figure. I mean, T'Challa is an experienced fighter. He fought Captain America. Mm-hmm. So um, in just a couple of movies ago, so we know he can fight. And there's a difference between someone who has a certain regality to him or someone who is pulling his punches because he recognizes that Indijaka has very real problems and concerns with uh i hate to say concerns but uh demands wounds that were caused by his father and he's pulling his punches a little bit he's giving him every opportunity to give up whereas the t'challa that had fought bucky in civil war would not have wasted a second claw strike on him that this is this is a different attitude this is a different attitude because we see and that's to chadwick boseman's credit uh as a performer as in a in a fight which is hard to pull off of showing the difference of someone who who really is motivated to try to kill somebody and someone who is not motivated to try to kill somebody and you can see that in the fight at the end sequence where a little more of that kind of civil war t'challa comes back not quite the degree as when he was absolutely ready to kill Bucky, but you see that in the in the fight choreography and in the way that he approaches it. I also, um, I was really, um, again, jumping all over here as far as my, because again, this was my first time seeing the film, in all honesty. Um, I, I'd finally gotten around to, to sitting down and devoting the time to watch it on Disney+. Plus. Was so there was something very comforting about seeing Sterling K. Brown in the first 10 minutes. The guy is such a great actor, for one, and we've seen him on This Is Us and so many shows. And I, of course, um, have become a huge fan of him ever since he did that West Ring reunion where he took it, played the the role of, of Leo, no, Leo McGarry, um, for the uh, for the deceased uh, John Spencer. Uh, but you know he had such a he has such a presence about him, and uh, when you find out in the beginning, he, you think he's just like this guy running guns on the streets. To he's a Wakandan spy, and he's able to go between the two accents like you know effortlessly. And you're like, dude. And then and then back to again the fact that he has a real likable quality to him, where you know you want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt because. He looks like someone you'd want to, you know, you want to be his friend. You want to hang out with him. Just like I definitely would have been hanging out with Chadwick Boseman if I could have. You know, <laughs> Sterling K. Brown, you know, that's a dude. He's a really cool dude. They, they, they cast so many great actors uh, in this uh, to play these roles. Um, I 
and I can never pronounce his name. The actor, uh, we just saw him in Nope. And in, Daniel uh, Kaluuya, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he's in this. He's um, the husband of one of the Dora Milaje. I forgot her. Um, the, the captain of the Dora Milaje. Okoye. Okoye. He's a Okoye's. Uh, he was played by Nana Guria from Walking Dead. Yes. And she's terrific in this movie. In fact, the reason she leaves Walking Dead is because Marvel keeps bringing her back. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is very much a star turn for um, uh, for her in this movie because so much they realize how great a character she was. This very specific the Dora Malaji um, of um, I don't know if there's another niche for it in the MCU, but it fulfills this that you need a soldier. But also, um, it's good to have a, a, a female character and also someone who is kind of uncompromising and to the blunt and to the point uh, yeah, in a way that... I'd hmm? say the Valkyries are probably the closest thing. The Valkyries are probably the closest, but Stone. Valkyrie drinks too much for that to really be kind of to, to meet that uh, uh, standard. Right. So an- another note on the, the casting is they got um, uh, John Connie, who was cast as T'Chaka in civil war they got is a very very well respected south african actor they got his son to play himself at a younger age so when you see the two of them mm-hmm. and he does okay this they really do look similar and they even sound mm-hmm. you can tell it in the voices they sound kind of uh a similar sounding as it's very believable that these this is the same man because they're father and son so that's kind of the that great opening sequence and i love that the the design on that retro black panther suit too with the little gold accents and everything like that that's that i remember like trying to google all over the internet to try to get a really good picture of it because it was just it was just so cool looking when i saw it it. wasn't to check a marvel legend for the first film but it's long long gone (laughs) the sash attached to it the sash attached to it and kind kind of something about the face to it it was great that we also had the um Another Bond reference was a Grace Jones looking chicks. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's within like the first what, like two minutes of the first movie? two minutes of the movie. We get we get a Grace Jones reference. Yep. Um, and that's also where we get to the, the first like uh, use of the first is like they let them in. And the first thing they ask, who are you? And then the language switches immediately. Mm-hmm. The accent switches immediately. And now we're kind of off to the races. And that's kind of not the first big who are you? Because we get that again at the falls. Um, Angela Bassett screams it at Chadwick Bose and show him who you are. And he has to respond to I am Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka. Uh, and then we get it again at the confrontation in the throne room where they ask Killmonger who he really is when he says, ask me what my real name is. And then that, when he speaks, he speaks Wakandan for the first time, it throws everything, completely changes the entire tone of the movie halfway through. Yeah, we also get it again in the mid-credit scene when uh is in front of the UN. Yes. And they were like, who's Wakanda? You know, and what can Wakanda do? And almost at, at the end, because that's the last line of the of the movie before the credits, is that little 10-year-old kid asking T'Challa, who are you? Mm-hmm. And then he gives the little kind of sm- a smile that we've seen in like a thousand movies. Like, we've seen that in a thousand movies. That's such a great trope. And then they, they fade to black and then uh, Kendrick and Siza come on with all the stars and we get that great credit sequence that's just luminous and beautiful. So that's 
Uh, I, really, I really like this movie. That's why. <laughs> John, help me out here. The 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 Dora Milaje are they were they at uh, were they at uh, Tainahasi Coates? I always mispronounce his no. name. No, they he did. Did Dennis Cohen in the? Um, um, no, no. You, I feel like you just hit both uh, endpoints right in the middle. Right, yeah. It is the uh, Christopher Priest, Mark Texiera run. There we go. Marvel Knights run of the late nineties, uh, which is a fantastic run. Okay. Um, and uh, Texiera, who Texiera is not African American, but right. he did it in the style that was very African American influenced. It was. It looked a lot like what the guys were doing with Milestone, which was this. African-American run imprint of DC where they created things like static shock that became an animated series, but it was uh, very much of that culture. I, there's been a long line of African-American artists and comics, but there's always been this need to assimilate. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the themes in this movie. This movie refuses to assimilate into not only the, the MCU, but the larger world. You know, it has such a personality and a voice that's distinct because it's not trying to be the next Avengers. You know, it stands on its own and it doesn't compromise. And I think that's a, a lot of the theme in this movie, certainly uh, with Killmonger of like that Wakanda is better than the white man's world. We we have that scene in the museum where he basically gives his mission statement. Which is uh, again very noble, my and I and uh, before you came on, John. I guess I want one of the things I'm kind of like was trying to wrap my head around is that, that Wakanda, being a separatist nation, um, what what were the the what's the moral quandary when you're like let's say when you're in a in a your your utopia surrounded by civil war and famine and all these other things. Like how long can you really, you know, justify to yourself you do it? Now, mind you, as I'm watching this, and I cannot speak to the to the African experience or the African American experience, I'm looking at it through the lens of let's say being in America, where here in America we're pretty well off. We're not a utopia by any means, but we're certainly more well off than other countries. We're certainly way more well off than let's say the countries to the south of us, and. But and we very much want try to act as a separatist nation from time to time. So there are so many criticisms that come on the United States that you know when they're in the context of how um, the world would look at a nation like Wakanda, you know, would they get criticized or would people say, ah, oh, well, you know, they're just doing their thing and they don't, they shouldn't be asked to do anything for anyone else. Am I asking for those things? to be explored in a comic book movie that's about under three hours long? Not necessarily, but it's like the movie does touch on that here and there, and they'll even bring it up from time to time. Well, they they bring it up in Endgame, remember? When um, when um, when um, the, the, the first time we see um, uh, T'Challa, and again, uh, um, the, the head of his security, her name is... Uh, Okoye. Okoye. She goes, yeah, well, when you said we were going to open ourselves up to the outside world. I thought you meant like maybe host the Olympics, have a Starbucks, you know, something like that. I find that hard to believe because I have, there's no way that Wakanda doesn't have amazing coffee. Part of the, <laughs> part of the design decision, there's, there's that little, it's a three second shot while they're showing kind of downtown in the golden city of someone grilling chicken. 
Did you guys catch that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Just a moment, and it just looks like it's been marinating in some kind of spices for God knows how long, and I want it. <laughs> but that is one of the central questions of the movies that the characters have to deal with. And, and there's they, Wakanda has three options, and there is the, the, the hiding um, from the rest of the world like T'Chaka does. Uh, you know, he's in the UN. They know Wakanda's there, but they think it's a very poor country. Um, there is uh, Killmonger's stance of Wakanda is more powerful than other nations, so we should take over. We should conquer other nations. And then T'Challa has to decide what's between the two, and he eventually decides to work with the rest of the with the outside world. Well, and I think third- that is a central issue that they deal with throughout the film. The, the third way is the Nakia option, when she talks about Ooh. aid and assistance and, and sharing uh, wealth and resources because they, because Nakia and Killmonger have, they share the same line. They say we could do it better or we could, uh, Oh no, no. Njobu says it, but Njobu's ideology gets kind of passed on to his, uh, to his son of, of Wakanda could do it the right way. So there's, there's a rhyming in there between Njobu and Nakia of other countries do it, but we could do it better because of our resources or because because we're not tainted by colonialism. And that's part of it, is that we, we aren't tainted by colonialism. So Killmonger wants to be the British Empire. He even says the sun will never set on the Wakandan Empire. He echoes that line. And Nakia wants to be more... World Health Organization, NGO, um, World Monetary Fund, you know, kind of all the and non-political organizations that the UN aspires to do. But well, we could do that better. We could provide more aid. We could help people with more food and things like that. Conflict resolution. And that that's because T'Challa ultimately ends up with Nakia. That's how, part of how the, the audience has shown how that conflict is resolved. This is really this one of those funny things where it's an action movie where I was really interested in the politics behind it. <laughs> it's like, man, I wanted to see more of those scenes. I wanted to see more of the 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 the, the ethical debates, you know, between because there's a little bit of that, you know. And so it's it, the Andor of the MCU. Andor, yes, give me the Andor of the, of the MCU. Well, there was right talk now. of a Wakanda Disney Plus show, but then as as they moved forward with Wakanda Forever. Um, which is not what we're talking about today. I, I think they realized, okay, the ensemble we would use for the Disney Plus show is what we need to use for the movie. Because without Chad McBoseman, we need to rely on the, the characters that people know from the first one. So the second one, the second one is a lot of that, of like who Wakanda is and where Wakanda goes. And, um, you know, who are they allied with and who are they with? I thought you could get away with, I always wanted to show Wakanda people visiting Wakanda as tourism are kind of reacting to that, particularly many of the, uh, like send, um, uh, send Sam Wilson to Wakanda and have him hang out there. Or have, We're getting a Captain America four with Sam Wilson. Yeah. Or uh, I, I, I kind of always wanted to send, uh, I always kind of wanted to send Luke Cage. I wanted to send Luke Cage to vacation and just have him hang out and maybe have dinner with Mbaku and just have a conversation for, well, it's interesting that you mentioned Luke Cage because I was thinking about the, his Netflix show. And at the time when his show came out, everybody thought that was the best of the Netflix shows. 
because it was giving this look into the African-American community. But then, uh, but it was on a much smaller scale. I mean, it was oh, like, yeah. it was like a neighborhood in Manhattan and a barbershop. Yeah. And then Black Panther just blew that wide open. And now, but now that we have um, Daredevil appearing in Spider-Man and She-Hulk, we've opened the door back to that uh, Netflix era. Also, uh, also very so good. There's no reason why yeah. we can't have Luke Cage again. There's also a lot of very good use of hip hop in this movie, and as as as, as much as the uh, the Luke Cage, we get that we get uh, diegetic. We know that Kendrick 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 Lamar exists in the MCU because claw deliberately turns on the turns up the radio when they're having this car cheese which is just a great thing for a villain to just oh turn the music up what do you think this is a funeral <laughs> he also sing he also sings what is love made famous by a night at the roxbury <laughs> <laughs> he is really having fun with this role and, um, and speaking, <laughs> speaking of andor we've been talking about andor on caffeinated comics um andy's andy circus watching him do this again after he just did three episodes of uh Andor and blew the doors off. Like his, he had been known as the CG guy for so long. And in fact, when they announced in Age of Ultron that he was Claw, the design of Claw in the comics, we were like, oh, well, he's clearly going to be a motion capture character in Black Panther. And he's not. I mean, there's CG on his arm, but that's it. And then, of course, he's not coming back from this one. Which is a shame. I was like, oh, really? Oh, man, another great character. Why do you have to, like, off him? You just should be, you should be taking these, these great characters and building them up, you know? Like, again, I was surprised that they didn't kill the Vulture in, in Spider-Man Homecoming. So you got him waiting in the wings. You know, let's, instead of, like, knocking them off, let's, let's put them in Rikers. Let's put them on the, on the raft. And then later on, you know, revisit them at some point because they're just great characters. And I know it's taken them so long to do something with the vulture again because they clearly set that up at the end of, at the end of which homecoming. Unfortunately, I missed that episode. That's one of my favorites in the series, and I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. Oh, that, that tells me you haven't seen Morbius, Dave. I have not seen Morbius. I'm not there. Nobody saw Morbius. I, uh, I, I got I got it on sale and wished I hadn't. <laughs> it's it's they bring more my, time. back for Morbius in a way that satisfies no one. Yeah, yeah. That I don't think that's what I was expecting. When I, <laughs> I was like, oh, we're gonna see him back as the Vulture, and maybe we're gonna get his Sinister Sticks at some point. Not, not having him return in Morbius of all things. Yeah, that's what, one of the things. I mean, uh, one of the things that bothers me about No Way Home and not not to divert into Spider-Man talking about Michael Keaton is that we get the Sinister Five in No Way Home. Yeah. I'm yeah. waiting so long to go, well, is Tom Hardy the sixth guy? Is Michael Keaton the sixth guy? Yeah. Is uh, Jake Chinlow coming back as a tight? No sixth guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, back on Black Panther. Uh, and I, I will say, I know we've touched on this again and we were surprised. We wanted to talk about this on Caffeinated Comics. I know all of you have seen Wakanda Forever, and I will, I'm will. i going to tell you right now, I am not probably not going to see it until it's shown on Disney+, Plus, just like the first Black Panther. So by all means, let's, okay, let's have a quick discussion about Wakanda Forever, since this is the last MCU review of the year. And um, how about this? Give us uh, your two-minute review of... Wakanda Forever. John, why don't you start it off since uh, you arrived last? Um, it is fascinating. It uh, the um, the 
gulf they have to surmount by losing Chadwick Boseman. Uh, that uh, they have to cop to it, and then they have to lean on the supporting cast. I think if it has a weakness, no one clearly can carry that film. So uh, they put a lot on Shuri's shoulders, but um, uh, uh, I think partially, partially because Letitia Wright proved to be a problem on Twitter, they backed off of her a little bit. So everybody gets a little bit, but you're moving around. I think one of the best things it does is Ryan Coogler himself said, I have no idea what to do for a second movie after Chadwick Boseman died. And um, as you know, Namor is the antagonist. And there was talk years ago of doing a Namor movie. And I feel like Kevin Feige went, oh, you don't know what to do? Here's the Namor movie. And attach that to it. Oh, and you know what? We want to use Riri Williams because we're not going to bring Robert Downey Jr. back. We want another Iron Man. So, uh, And she's an African-American woman. Throw her in there. And it should have been a mess. It should have been an Age of Ultron type where the story stops and does Ironheart and then the story stops and goes to Namor. And it it all works uh, really fluidly. The way they present Atlantis, which which they don't call Atlantis, uh, not only has a visual style and a tone that marries itself to the Wakandan visual, so it fits that film, it also reminds no one of Jason Momoa which is really tough to do. Like it does not look at like the Atlantis and Aquaman, you know, Namor does not act like Momoa and, you know, Aquaman and Namor are the same damn character in, in, in each universe. Uh, they don't do any of that. And Namor has a reason to deal with Wakanda and Wakanda has a reason to deal with Namor. And they do tell a cohesive story. It is also really pulls on your heartstrings about Chadwick Boseman. It knows you miss him as much as everyone making this movie. Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like a lot of what John said. I think it, you definitely feel the, the whole left by Chad, Chadwick Boseman's untimely passing in the movie. Um, and I think they, but considering that, considering that they're clearly, you know, they were clearly all set to build him up as, as one of the central figures of, you know, sort of the next iteration of the Avengers, I think. Um, and then you unexpectedly lose who's the actor playing him. They decide they're not going to recast him. Um, I thought they did it. They handle his passing um, in within the, the, the context of the film in a pretty tasteful, respectful way. And you feel his presence as, as you'd expect um, sort of hanging over uh, even though he's not physically on screen. Um sort of hanging over the whole the whole film itself. I also, I really love the, and I, I figured they were going to do something like this, but the opening, the Marvel Studios logo, which was exclusively images of T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman, which was really cool. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think this one had, had strength. There were things about it that I might've even enjoyed more than the first one, but on the whole, the first one is, is I think, safe to say is, is the superior film. I did find it a little bit weird, and obviously we're going to be doing a whole down the down the line. We'll be doing a whole episode just about Wakanda Forever, but they seem to just kind of gloss over the fact that you have this new version of Iron Man, <laughs> Riri Williams, who is clearly inspired by Tony Stark, even down to the the Iron Man type suit that she has. And I don't think they even mentioned that in the movie. The cops say the cops when they try to capture Ghost say she's got an Iron Man suit. <laughs> Okay. All right. right before she takes off. Yeah, but in the comics, uh, 
Greer Williams is a Brian Michael Bendis creation who admittedly is Miles Morales all over again. Like, let's okay. get a, a young minority to be one of our A-list heroes. Yeah. Uh, in the comic, she finds uh, a piece of armor that has Tony Stark programmed into it. So oh, okay. Tony Stark okay. is her mentor, even though he's not there. At the time in the comics, they had you know, gotten rid of Tony Stark for a while. Yeah. So I, I wonder moving forward, uh, she is supposed to meet up with Rhodey. And the last I heard the Armor Wars show uh, that was going to be on Disney Plus will be a movie of the two of them. Yeah. I think it was more of a springboard for her, but she did fit the story. It was, she wasn't jammed in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you could have uh, Robert Downey Jr. be the AI of her suit. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, you just got to yeah. get him to say yes. Spoiler, uh, and not don't worry about spoiling me and spoiler to anyone watching the show, but uh, do they mention how T'Challa dies in... Um, in yes, the it opens with it. And um, yeah, and and it is really respectful because they do not like blow him up. You know, my my biggest worry was like we would see a CG Black Panther fighting somebody and then get then get it or get all exploded. It's Uh, really really hard to watch. It is sim. I I will just say it is similar to what Chadwick Boseman went through. So the uh, the sorrow carries the weight of the reality. Oh, wow. Okay. And Tom? Well, um, I, I mean, you've had plenty of time to reflect on this since you saw it before all of us. I know. I, know. <laughs> I am never going to live that down. No, nope, I'm not going right. to let you. No, you're not going to let me live that down. I'm never going to let it down that you haven't seen it yet, Elliot. Yeah, but see, I was going to, but now I did. I missed out on meeting Tom. So we're there. Well, really this, no is, this is this is this is the cycle. Is that Elliot will not let Elliot will not let me live this down. John will not let Elliot live that down. Yeah. So now Dave has to Dave has to do something to John. Yeah, right. We have to we have to do a circle of shame here. Um, so now, hold on. So, folks, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're not seeing the little visuals that we just did right now. So that's really encouraging you to check out the sh- the show yes. on any of our pages where you can watch the live stream or catch the video archives. I'm yes. sorry, Tom. You're going to talk about Wakanda forever. Yes. Um, and this this does kind of dovetail a little bit with um. A discussion of the, the the first Black Panther movie is the the strength of many of the the, the women uh, and female actors because I think if Wakanda Forever has an emotional core, uh, it's Angela Bassett uh, playing uh, Queen Ramunda uh, as this powerful, grieving. You know, in a sense, she loses she loses her son twice. She loses her son in the first Black Panther movie when he goes over the falls, and she loses him again at the beginning of this movie. And there's the, the there's the sequence in the film, which is in all the trailers, where she says, "I am queen of the most powerful nation of the earth, and I not, and all my entire family is gone." Yeah, um, with the plot, you know, Shuri's in danger. They don't know where he is. But they don't they, where she, she is. Kind of loses it because right her husband, her son, and now her daughter. Right, the, the amount of kind of. Uh, suffering that she takes so she and she does have to handle a lot of the because she is now the monarch i don't know wakanda's exact constitutional configuration um but she has to deal with namor who is the 
feathered serpent god of Talokan. And she has to cope with this figure who we see is um, patient and at times very calm and then also wrathful. I think there would be a good term for Namor. The, uh, maybe you could term it sometimes. There's a whole sequence in this that you could call the wrath of Namor. Because um, whereas the Wakandans have never known loss because of colonialism, the people of Talokan have. And the movie manages to remind you on several occasions of what's there and what's not there for Namor's people. So you can see in the trailer, there's a, a bit with Namor painting. I, I don't think I give much away to say that that's scene takes place in Talokan, which is hundreds and hundreds of feet beneath the water in like an underground air bubble. And he's painting in 16th century Mayan traditional technique preserving a method of uh, preserving an artistic style that is physically impossible for the vast majority of, for the entirety of his people, except for him. <laughs> and he's keeping this alive. There's a, there's a line in there, which I don't think spoils anything where they, they, they do kind of the bond villain the, to bring bond back into this, where they, they dress the hero when they're visiting the lair yeah. so to speak, and they hand her these clothes and said, we dress traditionally in the palace. So they're dressing the way they did the way their people lived on land 500 years ago. So there is a loss there that is felt that the Wakandans maybe are not familiar with. And there's a certain degree of, there's there's quite a bit, you can see it in the, the clip that we have of Namor that's circulating online. There's a rage there towards the Wakandans that is deeply personal and cultural and also very understandable. That is kind of cool. At the same time, I feel like you can really see where the pandemic, what the pandemic did to this movie. I think it, we, I think we missed an opportunity, Chadwick's Boseman death notwithstanding, to, to see what this movie would have been like and it produced under non-apocalypse scenarios. <laughs> So I think there's a lot more that we could have seen. This movie could have been a, a was good, not as good as the first one, but it could have been a lot, lot more. So, talk about Namor's wrath. I mean, that's really the thing that he's very well known for in the comics. He's he's an angry dude, and he's got like lots of stuff going on. Does uh, I don't don't worry about spoiling me, but at any point in the movie, does Namor yell "Imperious Rex"? He does. He does yeah. He, he does? does. See, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Sweet. And, I'm looking forward I, to it. And I will say, Elliot, full close-up of his little ankle wings. I know. Well, that I've seen. That I have seen. I've seen the ankle wings. So I was like, uh, and uh, uh, Namor actually is one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, I will say you could see him living on. You could, you could see him in potentially a Fantastic Four movie or in Secret Wars. I he want more Namor. He, be, he, he belongs so much. There's, I mean, did you, I mean uh, part of the historically, the, the Imperious Rex, I thought that was a, because um, Rex Imperator is one of the titles of the British crown. 
Ah, if, we okay. wanted a, if we wanted arch Western imperialism reference, it's Rex Imperator or Imperius Rex right there. Yeah. yeah. Well, he says that all the time in the comics. That's his thing. Yeah. That's his up, up, and away. It's yeah. great. Okay, cool. He's great in this movie. But also, um, and I don't think they're going to, they can't do this in the MCU, but one of my favorite uh, comics with him was also Invaders when you had Captain America, Namor, and the Human Torches, the two Human Tor- Human Torch and Toro, the original Human Torch, which was an android. You know, I don't know. I think you could pull that off because there's certain plot there's certain plot details in this movie where where Namor is very long lived. Namor was born in like 1578 or something like that, and you could do flashback sequences with if you get Chris Evans back. If you get Chris Evans get back, but invaders, I mean, yeah. You can get him to come on for a cup of coffee or something like that. You know, you're not asking him to spend. You're talking about the sexiest man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know for years that it was America's ass. So you know. <laughs> now it's the rest of his body. Because seriously, if they if they pull off invaders, like even if they just want to do like a mini series on Disney Plus, you know, get them back together. That would be because there is that long in Captain America, the first one, you know, he has all these adventures. Mm-hmm. you know, throughout World War II that hmm. they just touch on here and there. So you could you could honestly see them, oh, well, we're going to do this project together, you know, you and this guy and this guy, we're going to call you the, and you'll be Project Invader or something like that. What about Isaiah Bradley? Oh, no, definitely bring and, him in. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you could definitely bring him in. So, all right. Uh, going into the comments... Um, this had this was said a while back, but um, when we talk about the different drinks that, and let me put this up on the screen. If you just tuned in and you did not see the featured cocktail that our resident mixologist Tom Chetner has done in um, honor of Black Panther, it's called the Tea with the King. And if you go to Instagram.com slash review cocktails. That's R E V U cocktails. Uh, you will find all the different um, concoctions that uh, Mr. Jetner has come together with a, not only a lot of um, uh, skill and flair, but incredibly deep research. And I'm going to say for this one, um, uh, it's in, I think it's very well thought out. Uh, so the question is. Or the statement is, Tom should put a book together of all the drinks. <laughs> Thought about it. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to, um, you know, it's something I've talked to, um, something I've definitely uh, thought about at some point once this is all done. Uh, I think in the very, very back of my head, I've pictured this as a book with um, each of the drinks and then a blurb. Uh, written by me, and then a blurb about the movie written by Elliot and John and Dave, depending on the movie, and then having that book being sold at Disneyland. But, you know. <laughs> some of that sweet, sweet Disney money. To get some of that sweet, sweet Disney money. Um, you got to save a bunch of recipes. Well, you know, yeah. As people have reason to buy the book. Yeah, you know, you know I mean, a lot of it's... Letter from Disney. It's a lot of it's... Yeah, I don't want to get a cease and desist letter. Um, Tom knows about that kind of stuff. I know about that kind of stuff. I'm an intellectual property attorney, which is which is one thing that's kind of tricky sometimes with cocktails because 
as much as I strive to be original, as much as I possibly can, sometimes I worry that I'm going to do something and find out that some bartender in, in 1920 already did it or that Trader Vic did it in like 1947 and it was on the, the menu at his place or Don the Beachcomber came up with it. You know, particularly when some of the, the more tiki drinks, you know, I feel like, oh, somebody's done this. Someone has got to have done this before. <laughs> you we, know, we, do, we, we do not want another Flaming Mo incident. No, we don't want a Flaming <laughs> Mo incident. That was to come here. <laughs> right. You know, oh, and John, definitely the secret ingredient of that milk punch is definitely love. Because <laughs> that was that was me at 1130 at night trying to reverse engineer something that John was describing in Facebook messages. That was pretty I, I sent you the menu page from their website. That was as far as I could get. I was like, there's a lot of things in this. But yeah, recurring yeah. segments. I have been holding this one for a while since we're about to wrap up uh, the what are the toys from this movie? There was a full line with a builder figure uh, that was Imbaku. Oh. And uh, the great thing about him was he was the builder figure. So you had to buy the entire set in 2018 to get Imbaku. But because of Wakanda Forever, Marvel Legends has re released all of the characters from the first movie that play into the second movie. So he is now a single figure. Ooh. So if you want to get one, you can. I saw him at Target yesterday. Does he have the spear club thing? Because he, that's that's on like my top ten weapons in does. the MCU. It's in the bin with the other Black Panthers. I grabbed one and <laughs> ran here because I was already late. But yeah, and they're also getting to this is where we're getting to the digital sculpting and the scan of the faces. So the likenesses have taken a huge leap. Yeah, Winston, Winston Duke was ter yeah. terrific in both of, both of these. And he's been a, in quite a figure in the MCU too. Um, I was kind of hoping what kind of forever would be about him because he's so interesting and charismatic, but he has some great he has the same amount of screen time as he does in the first. No, I mean, he's got some, he's got some great moments in there. Um, you know, we get a glory to Hanuman again in the, in, in Wakanda forever, but, uh, he has several, remember at the time they did the, the Umbaku challenge where you, it started as like, this like kid on TikTok, this maybe an eight or 10 year old kid did the speech, the, we have watched from the mountains. We have watched with disgust that whole thing from the falls. He did that whole speech from start to finish spot on perfect. And suddenly it went viral and people began doing the same speech of, of kids and adults of like trying to nail that exact tone and tenor that Winston Duke had nailed in that first sequence. It's just a great little monologue. It That's funny because I saw a, a film uh, this weekend of Roy D. Wood Jr. doing Herschel Walker's speak a, speech about vampires and werewolves verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> that might be <laughs> the Herschel Walker challenge. <laughs> Herschel Walker is challenged. I don't think, <laughs> no. Mr. Winston Duke does not deserve to be mentioned in the same <laughs> paragraph. It's unfortunate he has to share a country, but eh, America, America. I could do a, I could do a win. Ooh, because I believe Winston Duke. I think he's from. Is he Trin? Is he's from Tobago? Is he from Tobago? His family's from Tobago, or, or I don't think he's Trinidadian. I think he's Tobago. Tib it's a thing because the Trinidad and Tobago. There's like you're one or the other. I think he's Tobagan. 
and they have a very interesting cocktail history in Trinidad and Tobago. But I would have to find a specific Trinidad cocktail. Uh, yes, Tobago. Tobago. Yeah. So they have, they have very, very interesting, very, very lots of great cocktails and great rums come from Trinidad and Tobago. So you could you could do a, certainly do an Mbaku cocktail. That would be really good. All right. All right. Uh, let's uh, bring this puppy home. I for from final thoughts on Black Panther. Going back to where we started, a couple things I wanted to say. Uh, as much as I enjoyed Martin Freeman, um, and, and and yes, him playing essentially the Felix Leiter <laughs> of this film. My goodness, how he he was really the most useless character. I mean, he was just there to be there. You know, I, another character from the Christopher Priest, Mark Texiera run. Yeah. So it was just a nod to that. Yeah. And, was, you know, they got Martin Freeman to agree to be in the MCU. So not, yeah, might as well use him. I get it. Uh, but because that whole bit with him, which was cool, where he they're using that cool remote system where you're sitting in a simulated vehicle to, to uh, fly or drive whatever drone vehicle is out there. And they tried building up this um, this tension at the end during the climax of the film that oh no so he's gonna die he's gonna die at no point did I feel he was threatened. In well, that's fact, become a trope in the MCU because Tony did it in Iron Man three, and then the uh, Adam Warlock people did it in Guardians of the Galaxy two. Like we've got we've had a lot of MCU drones. Yeah, and it's like eh, all right, let's you know uh, anything he did, sure he could have easily done, which actually sure he does do earlier in the film so i was like ah, okay and then i hear and now i have not seen wakanda forever yet but i hear he's even less needed necessary in wakanda forever yeah there is uh, i will not spoil it but there is a moment that uh we learn that ross is going to be very connected to some of the non-wakanda things coming okay he has a personal connection to a new character uh and it was such a surprise that i don't want to spoil it here all right I'll catch that. Uh, any other final thoughts, uh, Dave? Um, no, I mean, I think I covered most of the points. One thing I did want to say, and this might be controversial, I don't think this movie should have gotten a Best Picture nomination. I think it's kind of ridiculous that that happened. When you look at the number of Marvel movies that have been, um, there have been, what are we at, like 23 or 24 at this point. And this is the only one to this point, up until that point, and since that has gotten one, I think it's a little ridiculous. I also just have an issue with the the Academy Awards having more than five nominees for a... Remember, it used to be a nice five, and then it was like up to ten. What? It's because it's because the ratings were dropping, so they wanted to nominate films that people had seen. So yes. Yeah. People would watch it uh, broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, make it get it down to a nice lean five and have it be that every year. Cause the, 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 the Oscar shouldn't be about the, all of the good movies that came out that year. It should be about the very best movies. And um, I mean, I don't think this is the very best MCU movie, but it is, I think definitely one of the better ones. Uh, but I just thought that was a little bit overblown that it got a, a best picture nomination. Well, there was actually some controversy surrounding that because yes, that was the year that they expanded the the best picture category to 10 to 10 films and the oscars were being hosted on abc that is owned by who 
Oh yeah, of course. Disney, and yeah. then and they were saying that Disney was pressuring uh, the Academy or members of the Academy. I mean, when you talk about the Academy Awards, we learned from um, all the stuff going around around about Harvey Weinstein that it wasn't about quality; it's about who can politic and push the most to get Academy members to look see your film and then butter they he butter you up to get you to vote for that film They'll it's an election yeah and I I think it bears out I think the Oscars are fun to watch but when you look at the best pictures of every year it's never the ones that are like the bet that become like the classics right you know it, it's always like what was in the moment but I'd say two-thirds of them don't age well even yeah you know, and there's always those. There's always those lists that like, can you believe a taxi driver didn't win the year? Green Book. Can you believe that actually did win the Oscar for Best Picture of the Year? Black Panther was nominated. Bring Green Book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which people didn't say was good when it was out. So yeah, so but but to your point, Dave, I agree. It was. I mean, again, I enjoyed it. I liked I liked Black Panther, but was it the best? Mm, eh. Well, for, I mean, a, a comic book movie to get a best picture, I believe to this date, not just with an MCU, but any comic book movie to get a best picture nomination. I mean, I don't think it redefined the comic book movie genre in the way that like the Dark Knight did. Which I mean, there was controversy at the time that the Dark Knight did not get nominated. Yeah. Roger one. If anything should have gotten nominated, that would have been it. I would have said, uh, yeah, I point right to that. The Dark Knight, probably one of the best. But the, the thing is that The Dark Knight, although it has Bat Batman and the Joker in it, it's really not a superhero movie. It's a crime yeah, movie. Crime drama. Yeah. 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 So um, I put that up there with like uh, The Departed or yeah. or Heat. Yeah, know, yeah it's a very like good that. movie, but I can't say it's my favorite Batman movie. Yeah. <clears throat> Tom. Uh, I'm going to go wildly in the opposite direction um, and to say that I contend that it should have won that year. Um, but like I said, I've been gushing about this movie for the last hour and a half because this this is kind of one of those ones that I put on when I need a little boost or something that if I if I want to watch a great scene that's that's well acted, I throw this on. And we didn't even talk about the the magnificent uh, scene in Oakland, in the ancestral plane in Oakland of all places, between um, uh, Sterling K. Brown and, and Michael B. Jordan, and then Michael B. Jordan's younger self. Mm -hmm. That absolutely heartbreaking sequence. That's just so many layers upon layers and layers. It's just it's like a it's like a it's like an opera cake or something like that, where there's just like so many little thin layers of chocolate and almond pastry that are layered on top of each other. Um, but I've, I think I've said everything that I need to say. I think this movie is just terrific. I think it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a, uh, it's a blessing that it ever got made. That's it. And John, uh, the one issue I have, I always think I was listening to at the time, Phil Rosenthal, who created Everybody Loves Raymond, um, and then had the show Somebody Feed Phil, and he's really funny in his own right, was on a podcast, and they were talking about films that were out, and they said, oh, well, have you seen Black Panther? He goes, yeah, I really like Black Panther, but he goes, there's too much animation at the end. At the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, no, the drawings are fighting. <laughs> and, 
And I always think that when they fall in the the cave in Wakanda, which just has infinite open space for no reason, even though it's in a mountain, and they're clearly CG, and they're jumping across these train tracks, it is very hard for me to like latch onto it. I think they get you back with Killmonger's death scene, but there there is a little bit of like the spectacle starts to get in the way. It it stops aiding the story, but. This is, I think this is the, maybe not the, it's not the best Marvel movie in my opinion, and it's certainly not my favorite, but I think it is the one that stands the tallest. It's, it stands on its own two feet more than, than any of them. I'd say even Iron Man has a lot to owe to the comics. This doesn't even, this doesn't even need the comics as much as the, as, or the other movies. It's, it's of itself. Well, it would be the first solo MCU hero to rake in a billion box office, right? I mean, Captain Marvel would come later, but yeah. Cap, uh, Bat, Black Panther, outside of the Avengers movies, which now you expect to make a billion. Yeah. Um, that, but this was the first yeah. solo because not even and none of the none of the Captain America movies, none of the Thor movies, not even the Iron Man movies, none of them broke a, a billion dollars in box office. Right, Iron Man one I think made about five, and that was a huge surprise. Yeah, but then, and I think uh, Spider Man No Way Home went over a billion. But you could argue that's not a solo film just because there's three Spider Man in it. Yeah, but I'm saying, but I'm saying you would have Black Panther, boom, mm-hmm. it would hit the billion mark, and then yeah, Captain Marvel will hit it next, and then yeah, yeah Spider Man. I I I attest I I have this feeling I don't know, I have this feeling that uh, Deadpool three uh, might be the next one. Uh, maybe quite possibly the first R-rated film to hit a billion. Mm, it's possible. I mean, it's got Hugh Jackman, Ryan, and it's it'll be a bridge to create uh, between the X-Men and the, the MCU. And it's one of the most highly anticipated films. And I mean, this one's already got the marketing built in. It's there. Everyone's waiting for this. Everyone's like, really, this is like a huge one. So we'll see. All right. Uh, and on that note, thank you, Susan, uh, for for seeing us off. Uh, good night, gentlemen, and happy holidays. See you next year. Definitely, Susan. Thank you, Lehman. Thank you for those of you who are watching on our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch pages. Uh, thank you so much for your support this uh, this past year and all the episodes uh, it's been it's meant a lot to us, um, you know. Uh, it's this is just it's a labor of love that we've been doing this for this long, uh, so we appreciate that. And some of you are coming along for the ride. But before we go, as always, uh, let uh, if you want to follow uh, us on our social media, where can we find you, Dave? I am on pin, uh, Instagram at pinto underscore noir. And why should we follow you on Instagram? My little goblin of a dog. I also yes. have a demon of a cat right here. <laughs> it's been bugging me this whole show, by the way. Well, she, they can always come on. They can always say how they felt about I mean, it was about a, a movie about a cat. That's way. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tom. Uh, you can follow me at uh, all the drinks and uh, related uh, tips of um, uh, review cocktails, R E V U cocktails, spell the usual way uh, on uh, Instagram.com or uh, the Instagram app. 
most recent post is me encouraging everyone who likes cocktails to go out and buy a mint plant because they're uh, very, very helpful. If you have any interest in anything, any kind of tiki drink or in a mint julep or a um, maybe like if you were interested in doing an Indiana Jones themed <laughs> mint julep, that would be a great thing to have in your house. That's uh, next. Uh, you've convinced me. Yes. Uh, and I will also need, I, I will, uh, looking for suggestions on how to convert my bar cart into an Indiana Jones themed cart. Make it look more like. Oh, I know. You, you break a bottle of liquor, you pour it on the top, and then you set it on fire. <laughs> whiskey? <laughs> I thought you were just. That could be your Indiana Jones drink, just whiskey. Whiskey. Probably blasphemous, but you could just make it the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> no, I can't, yeah, that is blasphemous. That, that might be. Pushing yeah, it a little much with the Lord. I'm not even I'm not even Jewish, and I, I feel uncomfortable doing that. Uh, and John, uh, you can follow me at Not in My Book on Instagram. You can follow me at Not in My Book on Twitter, but don't don't be on Twitter. <laughs> Just don't. Uh, Have you Instagram, opened a, a hive a hive social yet? Have you gone on Hive yet? Everyone's talking about Hive. Everyone's talking about Mastodon. I think I'm just going to be an old Wayne guy and then join the one that's already popular. <laughs> there you go. So I, I'm falling, I am falling back further into Facebook because I'm that old. Uh, and you can follow the Caffeinated Comics on Facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics, where the MCU review is posted every time it's on. Um, and you can also listen to this show if you're listening to it now. Uh, you you know that there's Cabinet Comics every week anywhere you get your podcasts, and if you'd like an, a complete archive, uh, this will be an audio uh, episode later on Cabinet Comics. It's usually a week later, but there's been so much news. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I haven't posted Thor Ragnarok yet because you and I needed to talk about two Indiana Jones pictures in Empire Magazine for <laughs> 35 minutes. Oh man, I was so. I'm, I'm, like I told everybody on my Facebook page, I apologize. I'm going to be intolerable for the next few months as they're promoting indie. Is, is that a Last Crusade re reference? Yes, this is this intolerable. Is intolerable. <laughs> this is intolerable. He says it in uh, Crystal Skull too. That's one of my favorite lines. You know where because Indy turns into his dad. This is that's it. That's his hello there. Hello there. Yeah, this is intolerable. When do you think we'll get the uh, title of the movie? Um, I will be I will be surprised if we do not get a trailer and the title by Christmas. I think we'll get the title with the trailer. I think I think we won't get it before. Yeah, no, but like, you'll the trailer see and the tra that'll yeah. that'll reveal that'll the title. Continue. Yeah, and that people are going to go nuts at that point. And I I don't want to hear it. I, I I swear to God, every time someone talks about the, the Indy Five, and I don't mean to turn this into indie talk, we, that's going to be a different show that we'll have in 2023. But uh, uh, that every time we bring this up, people got to start making the age jokes, and they got to talk about, oh wait, they they're making another Indiana Jones. I have I didn't know if they made one after Last Crusade because everyone hates Crystal Skull and they have to rag on that. I had a whole two minute bit in my stand up in two thousand eight about of any old jokes about Crystal Skull. I'm done. That was tw that was fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago. <laughs> so. And but if you don't if you don't think uh, old guys can pull off action mil films uh, action roles, watch uh, Jeff Bridges in The Old Man, as well as Stallone, Sylvester Stallone now in uh, Tulsa King. Um, yeah, he's great in that. I started that last week. Did you watch that? Did you see? Oh, oh, he's so that, funny. 
<laughs> it is fun. And I mean, he owns up. He says he's 75 years old. Oh my God. I hope I can, if I could only look like that at 75. Um, <laughs> yeah. But think of that when he was your age, he didn't look like you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing me back. John. <laughs> That's like top me. land still on. <laughs> Very underrated movie, by the way. Yes, it actually is. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but uh, Tulsa King, very good. And again, older guys in action movie roles that um, are very convincing. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, to my fellow panelists, Tom. Tom, did you want to say something? Were you going to go? Uh, you muted. I'm, I was pointing to your socials. Oh, thank you. Yes. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere at my, uh, at my name, Elliot Serrano, two L's, two T's. And two R's. You can find me everywhere. Just Google me. You'll find me. Uh, I have so many pages of Google search results. But if you go back three or four pages, that's when you get to the really embarrassing stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, for Thomas Jutner, for Dave Pino, and John Clark, I've been Elias Randall. This has been the MCU Review. Uh, everybody have a great uh, rest of the year. We will see you or you will you will see us or hear us uh, for a special end of year of uh, holidays uh, edition. Uh, and if not that, uh, looking into 2023 when we finish off phase three. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your support. And we'll see you again in 2023.